In this dramatization of the gothic tale of a doctor whose brilliant mind gets the better of him, Michael Maloney stars as the ambitious young scientist and John Wood is the creature. Mary Shelley began the book in the summer of 1816 at the age of 21 as part of a ghostwriting competition with her husband Shelley and the poet Byron. Nigh on 200 years later, it's still scary stuff. Frankenstein by Mary Shelley Dramatised in two parts by Nick Stafford with Michael Maloney as Frankenstein and John Wood as the creature. Part one. From John Walton, The Harbour, Archangel, Russia, 28th of March. I have hired a vessel and sailors, men on whom I can depend, possessed of dauntless courage. The captain is a person of excellent disposition, who has been as far north as any human. As we prepare for our heroic undertaking, I try in vain to be persuaded that the North Pole is the seat of frost and desolation. It ever presents itself to my imagination as the region of beauty and delight, where the sun is forever visible. A land surpassing in wonders and beauty every region hitherto discovered on the habitable globe. We shall tread a land never before imprinted by the foot of man. Do I not deserve to accomplish some great purpose? If I succeed in this enterprise, many, many months, perhaps years, will pass before you and I may meet. If I fail, you will see me soon again, or never. My voyage commences. July the 31st. We are halted, surrounded by ice, and have been completely enveloped in fog. Starboard 40! What is it? A sledge! Telescopes for myself on this wall. I can't see. I can't see. I can't see. I see. I can't 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 see. Assuming the dogs are of normal stature, I should say he is. We are hundreds of miles from land. We are. Can you distinguish his features? No. Could there be land not on the maps? I did not think so, but he must have come from somewhere and be heading somewhere. The fog's closing in again. He's out of sight. How long before the ice breaks and we can move on? Tonight, tomorrow, the day after. Maybe we'll find the North Pole is inhabited by giants. Hey, Mr. Walton. August the 4th. I am in good spirits. My men are bold and apparently firm of purpose. Being icebound did not seem to dismay them. What can stop the determined heart and resolve the will of man? We move now amongst the drifting flows of ice, but slowly... Yes? 
Captain said I should disturb you, Mr. Walton. What is it? The captain requests you come and see. Mr. Walton, another man on a sledge. Another? I think he's insane. Sir, who are you? My name is Victor Frankenstein. And all I desire is that you should give me a little food. I insist that you come aboard. I cannot. Your ice flow may break up. I shall take my chances. Where have you traveled from? Europe. Europe? Yes. Please, whither are you bound? To the North Pole. And you? You head north? A voyage of discovery. You promised me that you are heading north. Yes. In that case, I will come aboard. But only if my sledge and dog may also be accommodated. For it may be you turn back, whilst I must go on. Surely! Bring them aboard! Bring them aboard! There He looks half dead. More dead than alive. Is he saying he's come all the way from Europe over the ice? Is this possible? Mm, makes me think of the giant. Take Mr. Frankenstein down to the galley. Rub him with brandy. Feed him. We might have to redraw the maps. Yes? It is I, Mr. Walton. Walton. Yes, I, I remember. Like your men, you have many questions. It would be impertinent of me. Yet I cannot resist asking, how have you come so far? On the ice. But to what purpose? To seek one who fled me. And does the man you pursued travel in the same fashion? Yes. Four days ago we saw a man on a sledge. Where? To the south. The demon is just ahead of me. Demon? I must go, please. I... I do not think you are in any condition to resume. Damn, I... He was travelling north. At quite a pace. He had four dogs. Oh, but the ice. He could also have been trapped by its breaking up. Possibly. But at the speed he was travelling, he may have kept ahead of it. At least I must be on deck to keep watch. There is always a lookout posted. They will see anything there is to see. I must know at once. Of course. You are a scientist. Yes. What do you hope to discover at the North Pole? You ask me to reveal my heart. Yes. <laughs> I think I may in that hitherto unexplored area of the globe, discover the fundamentals of nature and thus acquire dominion over them. <laughs> Unhappy man. Do you share my madness? 
Have you drunk of the intoxicating draught? Hear me! Let me reveal my tale! And you will dash the cup from your lips! Here. Brandy. Why do we do these things? What things? These explorations. You seek for knowledge and wisdom as I once did, and I ardently hope that the gratification of your wishes may not be a serpent to sting you, as mine has been. I never saw a more interesting creature. His eyes have an expression of wildness and even madness, but there are moments when his whole countenance lights up. He must have been a noble creature in his better days. I am by birth a Genovese, and my family is one of the most distinguished of that republic. <laughs> my mother's tender caresses and my father's smile of benevolent pleasure are my first recollections. With this deep consciousness of what they owed towards the being to which they had given life, it may be imagined I received a lesson of patience. Charity and self-control. <laughs> My mother much desired a daughter, but for a long time I was their only care. When I was about twelve years old, while making an excursion beyond the frontiers of Italy, we passed a week on the shores of Lake Como. My mother's benevolent disposition often made her enter the cottages of the poor. Victor, don't stare. They have hardly any clothing. They are poor. Have you come for her? Come for who? Well, the fair one, Elizabeth. Oh, obviously not. That's a pity. As you can see, she's not ours in the natural way of things. She's golden-haired because her mother, who died in childbirth, was a German, and her father a Milanese nobleman. He gave her to us to nurse. We were better off then. Her father was involved in politics, wresting Italy from Austria. I don't know if he's dead or in a dungeon, but his property has certainly been confiscated. Looks a cherub, doesn't she? She is striking. We sometimes think she was sent by heaven. My mother engaged my father's approval. And the result was that Elizabeth Lavenza came to live with us. I looked upon her as someone to protect, love and cherish my more than sister. Please, do not continue on my account. My parents had a second son, Ernest, and then William. Poor, poor William. We moved to Lake Geneva, and, and that's where we grew up, uh, along with my dear friend, Henry Clavard. Victor, Henry, lie on your backs and look at the clouds. And what, Elizabeth, will be revealed to us? You'll see shapes, cities and castles in the air. Very well. 
see that one tinged with grey and mauve? I see a castle with battlements. I see a cloud. The drawbridge is lowered. Knights ride out. A maiden waves a silken handkerchief from the tower. It's King Arthur and Guinevere. Is Arthur gone to seek the Holy Grail? A quest! A quest! Why clouds? What are clouds? I shall stand on this rock and adopt the pose of Guinevere. And I shall be Arthur. You, Victor, you may be Lancelot, Gawain or Galahad. Charge! I should rather be Merlin than capture a cloud, squeeze it until the essence of nature is distilled. Victor? Father? What are you reading? Your Cornelius Agrippa, Father. That's not mine. No? Must have been left by the previous owner. Ah, and Paracelsus. And Albertus Magnus. You have read them? Uh, their work looks sad now. Oh? But Paracelsus, through empirical study, pioneered the treatment of certain diseases. And also stated human beings could be produced without mother and father by alchemical procedures. Pure fantasy. And dangerous to boot. Storm worsens. Albertus Magnus must meet your approval, for he taught Thomas Aquinas. As well as teaching Thomas Aquinas, Albertus Magnus is reputed to have constructed a brazen head that could answer questions. I'm no scientist, but I know none of these gentlemen are considered valid today. As you can see, the lightning struck it, eliminating the upper branches, and the trunk, rather than splitting, has been reduced to thin ribbons. <sighs> Tap it. It's not like wood, it's like metal. The lightning has transformed the wood. In the library, there's a book by Luigi Galvani of Bologna. Now, through his experiments, he deduced that an electricity resides in the nerves and muscles of animals. Is the same true of humans? He only records his experiments with a frog. If he has experimented with humans, he's damned. No, the usefulness of his work is that we know how to improve certain objects by coating them with metal. Galvanism. His other work, I'd be tempted to bracket with the ancients you were reading last night. There's nothing to be gained from attempting to discern the spark of life. Can anything ever be known? We can dissect a frog, name its parts, agitate it with electricity. But we cannot make it live once it is dead. Will the tree grow again? No. I think it looks sad now. Sad, Elizabeth? Feel how much like iron it is. When I became 17, my parents determined I should attend the university at Ingolstadt. But... Before the day of my departure could arrive, Elizabeth caught the scarlet fever. My mother attended Elizabeth's sickbed and her watchful attentions triumphed over the malignant distemper. Elizabeth was saved. But on the third day, my mother sickened. 
Her fever accompanied by the most alarming symptoms. On her deathbed, she joined the hands of Elizabeth and myself. There, my dear. My children, my firmest hopes of future happiness were placed on the prospect of your union. Mother, don't say why. This expectation will now be the consolation of your father. I should have died. It is not in our gift to decide. Elizabeth, I want you to have my locket. Keep it. Elizabeth, my love, you must supply my place in the home. <laughs> Take the locket. Victor, fasten it for her. I will endeavor to resign myself cheerfully to death. And will indulge hope of meeting you in another world. Yes. My name is Victor Frankenstein. I'm to be one of your students in natural philosophy. Huh? Uh, oh, yes. Yes. Uh, uh, what do you know? No. Of natural philosophy. The principal authors I've thus far studied are Cornelius Agrippa, Paracelsus, and Albertus Magnus. Who? Oh, uh, Cornelius Agrippa, Paracelsus... Yes, 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 yes. I wasn't asking you to repeat them because I haven't heard of them. I was expressing surprise. Have you really studied these men? Yes. And you believe in them? I... Their findings are nonsense. Every minute, every instant you have wasted on those books is utterly and entirely lost. You've burdened your memory with exploded systems and useless names. Good God, man! In what desert land have you lived where no one was kind enough to inform you that these... these fancies, which you've so greedily imbibed, are a thousand years old and as musty as they are ancient? Hmm? I, I... I little expected in this enlightened and scientific age to find a disciple of Albertus. Magnus and Paracelsus. I wouldn't describe myself as a disciple. My dear sir, you must begin your studies entirely anew. Yeah, I shall write a list of books you must procure and read for when I begin lectures next week. Alternate days myself and Professor Valdum on chemistry. Now then. Professor Crampe was a little squat man with a repulsive countenance who did not prepossess me to become his disciple, but Partly from idleness and part curiosity, I went into the lecture room to hear his colleague, Professor Valdem. The modern masters of chemistry promise very little, apart from the knowledge that metals cannot be transmuted and that the elixir of life is a chimera, that is, an idle or wild fancy. But the ancient philosophers whose hands, some profess, seemed only to dabble in dirt, performed miracles. For they penetrated into the recesses of nature to show how she works in her hiding places. They ascended into the heavens. They discovered how the blood circulates 
and the nature of the air we breathe, they acquired new and almost unlimited powers, mocking the invisible world with its own shadows. Those were men to whose indefatigable zeal modern philosophers are indebted for most of the foundations of our knowledge. <clears throat> Professor Yes? My name is Victor Frankenstein. Ah, you're the young gentleman who sat open-mouthed. I hope I did not appear to be rude. I preferred your response to that of the young man who fell asleep. I cannot imagine anyone falling asleep. The young man behind you did. What you said about the ancients. Hmm? I have felt that. I must admit I'm prejudiced against modern chemists. <laughs> there are some worth studying, but for their detail, not their philosophy. I should be grateful if you can guide me in advancing my knowledge. Oh, I'm happy to have gained a disciple. Chemistry is that branch of natural philosophy in which the greatest improvements have been and may be made. Come this way. He then took me into his laboratory and explained the use of his various machines, instructing me as to what I should procure. He also gave me a list of books, and I took my leave. Kindly, Professor Waldham. It was a memorable day for me. It decided my future destiny. Two years passed, during which I paid no visits to Geneva, but was engaged heart and soul in the pursuit of discoveries. Whence, I often asked myself, did the principle of life proceed? To examine the causes of life, we must first have recourse to death. I became acquainted with the science of anatomy, but this was not sufficient. I needed also to observe the natural decay and corruption of the human body. Don't stop there, Frankenstein. I need a lantern. You, you want us to be caught here? I can't see what I'm doing. Let me take over. Our friend had a thick head. No, no, you'll damage him. Help me turn him over so I can start from the back. Your essay was remarkable. Thanks to your inspiration. No, no, I cannot claim to be your inspiration. It was your first lecture. The various keys which form the mechanism of my being have been touched. Chord after chord sounds within me. I am not worthy of a disciple. Apart from your studies, how is life in Ingolstadt? I have no other life. It shows in your countenance. Two years here, and you have no friends. I have no time for frivolity. A degree of frivolity is entirely necessary, especially for one as youthful... My mind is filled with one thought, one conception, one purpose. So much has been done. More, far more, will I achieve. Treading in the steps already marked, I will pioneer a new way, explore unknown powers. To what end? The creation of beauty. Can you be more specific? I shall have something to show you soon. My limbs now tremble, and my eyes swim with the remembrance, but a restless and almost frantic 
impulse urged me forward. Every night I was possessed of a slow fever, and I became nervous to a most painful degree. The fall of a leaf startled me, and I shunned my fellow creatures as if I'd been guilty of a crime. Sometimes I grew alarmed at the wreck I perceived that I had become. The energy of my purpose alone sustained me. Eventually, on a dreary night in November, I beheld the accomplishment of my toils. I collected the instruments of life around me that I might infuse a spark into the beautiful yet lifeless creature I had created. Damn. Who is this? A message from Professor Valdem, Herr Frankenstein. He invites you to dinner. Go away! Sir? Tell the professor I cannot accept his invitation. Tell the professor I'm almost finished. Yes, sir. More. More. I have made you, and you shall live. of my dream vanished. Breathless horror and disgust filled my heart. I threw myself on my bed, endeavoring to seek a few moments of forgetfulness. I slept, indeed, but I was disturbed by the wildest dreams. I saw Elizabeth, in the bloom of health, walking in the streets of Ingolstadt. Why? Elizabeth? I embraced her, but as I imprinted the first kiss on her lips, they became livid with the hue of death. Oh, oh ye gods! Oh. Elizabeth! Oh. Features appeared to change, and I thought that I held the corpse of my mother in my arms. Oh. No! 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 Why do you smile at me? 
refuge in the courtyard of the house. Sometimes my heart beat so quickly I felt the palpitation of every artery. And I feared each sound as if it announced the approach of a demoniacal corpse to which I had given life. At dawn, the gates to the courtyard were opened, and I issued into the streets. It began to rain. I dared not look about me. Like one that on a lonesome road doth walk in fear and dread, and having once turned round, walks on and turns no more his head, because he knows a frightful fiend doth Close behind him tread. Continuing thus, I came at length to an inn, and I, I know not why, paused to study a coach which approached. Victor! Uh -huh. Henry? Henry, is it you? My dear Victor! How glad I am to see you! <laughs> <laughs> You may easily believe how great was the difficulty to persuade my father that all necessary knowledge was not comprised in the noble art of bookkeeping. Oh. <laughs> but his affection for me at length overcame his dislike of learning, and he has permitted me to undertake a voyage of discovery to the land of knowledge. It gives me the greatest delight to see you, but um, tell me, how, how left you my family? Very well. Huh. And very happy, only a little uneasy that they hear from you so seldom. Oh, yeah. but by the by, I mean to lecture you a little upon their account. But, oh, my dear Victor, I did not before remark how very ill you appeared, so thin and pale, and look as if you had been watching for several nights. Oh, well, you, you've guessed right. I have lately been so deeply engaged in one occupation that I have not allowed myself sufficient rests. But I, I, I hope, I sincerely hope, that all these employments now at an end and that I am free. Oh, Friedrichstrasse. Hmm? Uh, Friedrichstrasse, that is your address, is it not? What? Oh, uh, yes. Number 15C. Uh, I thought we might go to a cafe. I should like to deposit my luggage first. Well, here, let, uh, let me... Uh, you, you can't carry them alone. No, please, Henry. Uh, stay here whilst I go up and make my rooms more welcoming. I was not expecting visitors. So. Well, of course. But let me wait at the front door.
Oh, good. Yes. Very good. <laughs> Never return. God. <laughs> Henry, come in. Come in. I'm not shy. I'm neighbor, I expect. Well, and what experiments have you been performing with this equipment? <laughs> experiments is too fine a description. I've been merely dabbling. <laughs> Even to my untrained eye, it appears too sophisticated to be employed in dabbling. Oh, Henry, you don't know how good it is to see you. Victor, what for God's sake is the matter? Do not laugh in that manner. <laughs> I'm, I'm only fatigued. What is the cause of all this? <laughs> Heath! Heath? Well, there's no one else here. Who is he? Hey! Oh, Save me. Save me. Save you from what? From who? Hey! Hey! This was the commencement of a nervous fever which confined me for several months. The form of the monster on whom I had bestowed existence was forever before my eyes, and I raved incessantly. slow degrees and with frequent relapses I recovered are you awake dearest Henry how kind how very good you are to me this whole winter instead of being spent in study as you promised yourself has it's been consumed in my sick room. How, how shall I ever repay you? You will repay me entirely if you get well as fast as you can. Mm. And since you appear in such good spirits, you will perhaps be glad to see a letter that has been lying here some days for you. It is from Elizabeth. My dear Victor, get, get well, well and, and return, return to, to us. us. You'll find a happy, cheerful home and friends who love you dearly. <laughs> Your father's health is vigorous, and he asks but to see you. Your brothers, Ernest and William, flourish. My trifling occupations take up my time and amuse me, and I'm rewarded for my exertions by seeing none but happy, kind faces around me. Except Justine, our housemaid, has been having a hard time of it. One by one, her brothers and sister died, and now her mother. Justine has returned to us, and I assure you I love her dearly. I wish you could see William. He's very tall of his age, with sweet laughing blue eyes, dark eyelashes and curling hair. Right, dearest Victor. One line, one word will be a blessing to us. Dear, dear Elizabeth. Uh, uh, I will write instantly and relieve them from the anxiety that they must feel. Yes. And when you have done that, I suggest we discuss a walking tour. Oh, oh Henry, this, this has been a glorious fortnight. 
We have been blessed with the weather. Oh. I realize now I'd become too single-minded. Lost touch with the better feelings of my heart. You haven't revealed about what you are so single-minded. Oh, it matters not now. Once again, I love nature and the cheerful faces of children. Excellent friend. A selfish pursuit had cramped and narrowed me until your gentleness and affection warmed and opened my senses. I have become the same happy creature who a few years ago loved and beloved by all. I had no sorrow or care. On our return, a letter from my father. My dearest Victor, William is dead. About five in the morning, I discovered my lovely boy stretched on the grass, livid and motionless. I carried him home. It will do no good. It's not there. What? very melancholy and when I drew near my native town fear overcame me I dared not advance dreading a thousand nameless evils stop the coach we're not inside the town gates yet I don't need you to tell me where I am I, I shall continue on foot as you wish Summits are clear, the sky and lake are blue and placid. Is this to prognosticate peace or mock at my unhappiness? My country, my beloved country. Then, when night fell, I was too late to enter the town, the gates being shut. I resolved to visit the spot where poor William had been murdered. William, this is thy funeral. This is thy dirge. Who is that? Do you hear? You will discover. 
come to mourn your brother. How do you know? No! No! It cannot be! Can it? No! You are the murderer! Ye gods! Come back, demon! I, there, among the rocks of Monsalev, he reaches the summit and disappears! Here to there in a flash of lightning! I made him well! Too well! What have I done? Have I turned loose into the world the depraved wretch whose delight is in carnage and misery? What have I done? Welcome, my dear brother, Victor. Honest, oh, I wish you had come three months ago. Then you would have found us all joyous and delighted. You come to us now to share a misery which nothing can alleviate. Yet your presence will, I hope, revive our father, who seems sinking under his misfortune. And your persuasions will induce poor Elizabeth to cease her vain and tormenting self-accusations. Mm. She most of all requires consolation, having accused herself of the death of our brother. But now the murderer is caught... Oh, how can is... that be? He was free last night. Who, uh, who pursued him? It's quite impossible. One might as well attempt to overtake the winds. I do not know what you mean. But to us, the discovery we have made completes our misery. Who would credit that Justine, who was so amiable and fond of all the family, could suddenly become capable of so frightful, so appalling a crime? Justine? Justine Moritz? Is she the accused? No, no one believes it, surely, Ernest. Several circumstances came out which forced conviction upon us. But she will be tried today, and then you will hear all. It is not Justine! Victor! Oh, father. Has Ernest told you of Justine? I have, Father. Justine is quite innocent. But that is evident. I know she is not guilty. Then who is guilty? I... Victor? Nothing, Father. If Justine is innocent, God forbid that she should suffer as guilty. The evidence is circumstantial, and I hope, I sincerely hope, that she will be acquitted. They cannot find her guilty on circumstantial evidence. Hello, Victor. Elizabeth. Let me look upon you. Time has altered you. It has endowed you with loveliness surpassing the beauty of your childish years. Your arrival fills me with hope. You perhaps will, will find some means to justify my poor guiltless Justine. Who is safe if she be convicted of crime? She is innocent and that shall be proved. <laughs> Everyone else believes in her guilt. But I know it is impossible. Dry your eyes, Elizabeth. If Christine is innocent, rely on the justice of our courts. Oh,
Justine Moritz, it is charged that on the... I was walking not far from the spot where the child was found when I saw the accused. I asked her what she did there, but she could only utter unintelligibly. Yes, I do also work at the house. She returned about eight o'clock in the morning. I asked her where she had passed the night, and she replied she'd been looking for the child. When, when shown the body, she fell into violent hysterics and kept her bed for several days. And you found the locket? I was going through her clothes in preparation for the laundry. Silence! Call the defendant, Justine Moritz. I was given permission to spend the evening at the house of an aunt at Shen, a league from Geneva. On my return, at about nine o'clock in the evening, I met a man who asked me if I'd seen anything of the child. Hmm. I then spent several hours looking for him. Then, finding the gates of Geneva shut, I took refuge in a barn. Most of the night I spent watching, but towards dawn I slept a little. I was wakened from my sleep because I thought I heard steps. At dawn, I recommenced searching for William. If I passed near the spot where his body lay, it was without my knowledge. I was unable to respond intelligibly to the first witness because I'd not slept and was disturbed by the disappearance of William. Concerning the locket, I can give no account. I am only left to conjecture. I beg permission to have character witnesses, and if their testimony will not overweigh my supposed guilt, I must be condemned. Although I would pledge my salvation on my innocence. Call Elizabeth Lavenza. I am well acquainted with the accused. I have lived with her in the same house. For my own part, I do not hesitate to say that, notwithstanding all the evidence produced against her, I believe and rely upon her perfect innocence. Oh, what about that? As to the bauble the case rests upon, if she had desired it, I should have willingly given it to her. So much do I esteem and value her. Why well, speak well of her? She murdered your Having passed a night of unmingled wretchedness, the next morning I went to the court for the verdict. You are Victor Frankenstein, are you not? I am. She confessed in the night. Confessed? Justine Moritz is condemned. Her confession was hardly necessary, but none of our judges likes to condemn on circumstantial evidence alone. I hope you and your family find some peace now. Yes? A message from the jail, sir. Justine Moritz humbly requests a visit from Mistress Elizabeth. Thank you. No reply. Sir. You can't go. I do not know what to do. It's Justine. Well... I leave it to your judgment and feelings. 
Thank God your mother isn't alive to witness this. Victor, would you accompany me? I? I cannot go alone. of my last consolation. I relied on your innocence. And although I was then very wretched, I was not so miserable as I am now. And do you believe that I am so very, very wicked? Do you also join with my enemies to crush me? To condemn me as a murderer? I am not one of your enemies. I believed you guiltless until I heard you yourself had declared your guilt. I confessed a lie. I confessed that I might obtain absolution. Ever since I was condemned, my confessor has besieged me. Your priest? He threatened and menaced until I almost began to think I was the monster he said I was. He threatened hellfire and excommunication in my last moments if I continued to deny. What could I do? In an evil hour, I subscribed to a lie. I will proclaim I, I will prove your innocence. You shall not die. I do not fear to die. That pang is past. They would have found me guilty without my confession. Dear sir, you are very kind to visit me. You, I hope, do not believe I am guilty. Oh, no. Uh, no, absolutely not. No, Justine. He is more convinced of your innocence than I was. I truly thank you. <laughs> wish that I were to die with you. I cannot live in this world of misery. Farewell, sweet lady. May heaven in its bounty bless and preserve you. May this be the last misfortune that you ever will suffer. And on the morrow, Justine died. You did not speak, then. What could I say? Mr. Walton, what would you have said? I know not. Please. I do not accuse. I do not mean to torture you any more than... I cannot be tortured any more than I am. Then I, I thought I had reached my limit if I had but guessed. Gods. Gods. Elizabeth? Elizabeth? Here. Why do you sit in the dark? It suits my mood. When I reflect on the miserable death of Justine Moritz, I, I no longer see the world and its works as they before appeared to me. Jeez. I feel no. as if I were walking on the edge of a precipice, towards which thousands are crowding and endeavouring to plunge into the abyss. Father William to... and Justine were assassinated, and the murderer walks free. We retired to our house at Belrive. I have been the author of unutterable evils. The monster I have created will perpetrate more wickedness as long as anyone I love remains. I shall live in fear. I should plunge into this silent lake 
that the waters might close over me and my calamities forever. Who's that? My mind must clear my mind. Trees lie broken. Mists rise from the rivers. Stones roll on glaciers. Come on! Ignorant beast! Come on! Forward! I shall leave you here then! Me, mule. See me traverse the ice. Wandering spirits, allow me this faint happiness, or take me as your companion away from the joys of life. What? Where? The wretch! Frankenstein! Wretch! Demon! Dare you approach me? Oh, that I could, with the extinction of your life, restore those victims you have so diabolically murdered! I shall speak and you shall listen! I shall not! You must! You, my creator, detest and spurn me, thy creature. You want to kill me? You who made me? How dare you sport us with life? Memoric monster! Fiend that thou art! The tortures of hell are too mild a vengeance for thy crimes. You reproach me with your creation. Come on, then, that I may extinguish the spark I so negligently bestowed. Remember, thou hast made me more powerful than thyself. But I will not be tempted to set myself in opposition to thee. I ought to be thy Adam. But I am rather the fallen angel whom thou drivest from joy for no misdeed. I was benevolent and good, but misery made me a fiend. Make me happy and I shall again be virtuous. My son. Do your duty towards me, and I shall do mine towards you and the rest of mankind. If you will comply with my conditions, conditions. I will leave you at peace. But if you refuse, I will let the maw of death until it be sated with the blood of your remaining friends. Cursed be these hands that formed you! 
In Frankenstein by Mary Shelley, dramatised by Nick Stafford. Frankenstein was played by Michael Maloney, The Creature by John Wood, and Walton by Philip Joseph. Elizabeth was played by Janice Chambers, Clerval by Paul Panting, Alphonse by Ted Richards, and the captain was Neville Jason. Caroline was played by Francis Jeter, Justine by Deborah Berlin, Kremper by Don McCorkindale, and Valdem by Malcolm Ward. Other parts were played by Peter Kenny, David Jarvis, and Margaret John, and the director was Claire Grove. And be sure to join us for part two of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein tomorrow night at the same time.